Titus chapter number 2, and we'll pick up in verse number 9. Verse number 9. The Bible says this, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, nor, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. I want you to look in verse number 5. At the very end of the verse, it says, That the word of God be not blasphemed. That the word of God be not blasphemed. And then verse number 8, look at verse number 8. You see where it says, That he, that he that is of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Last time we were here, we were looking at Titus chapter 2, and we looked at the standard for godly members. In Titus chapter 1, we saw the standard for the leadership in the church. There are qualifications to be in the pastoral ministry, to be in the leadership of a local New Testament church. And, and everybody would agree with that. Everybody wants to harp on that. And I'm glad we ought to. We ought to hold a high standard for those men who God places in the leadership and authority of the local church. But just as much as it takes good and godly leadership, it takes good and godly followership to make a church. Now you cannot have a church with just a pastor you got to have people. And so the people have got to be right. I want to remind you something about the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Now one day, the bride and the bridegroom are going to come together. I don't know about you. Now, now I love my wife, and I don't want to embarrass her in any way, but, but I'd have really thought negative of my wife. We, we were together, I guess, two years before we got married. And we were engaged for a long period of time. And, uh, and, and I, I really, really loved her. I thought, I didn't really know what love was. Still really trying to learn about it. But I thought I loved her. Really wanted to marry her. And, but you know what? I would have thought real different about her that day on September 4th, 2010, about 4 p.m. When I was standing there and my groomsmen were beside me, my little brother was there. So my, some of my, best, my cousins were there, some of my best friends growing up were there. There they were, her bridesmaids, what you call them, her sister, and then my sisters, and then a cousin, some cousins. Uncle Russ there, the preacher man, Uncle Russ Golden was standing there. All this crowd of people at the Utopia Missionary Baptist Church. I'd really thought bad, I'd really thought negative. If, uh, I can't remember which one, but I think one of the boys hollered out, one of the little boys, one of my can't remember who it was. One of our little boys in the, in the wedding said, Uncle Will, she's coming. And if they'd have opened those doors, I can't remember if there's doors. Anyway, if they'd have, if they'd have, if I'd have looked back there, she'd have been in, in a tater sack. I'd have thought really weird about that. If she'd have been in a tater sack with her hair in a mom bun, with makeup running down her face, barefooted, stinking, Nasty. Now I'm not going to sit here tonight and say I don't know if I, I wouldn't have married her, but I probably would have pulled her to the side and said, what in the world are you doing? I mean, there I was. I mean, I slick, buddy. 
I had that tuxedo on, and I had all that. I had that cummerbund on, that bow tie. On. I think it was bow tie. I don't remember what we had on. Anyway, y'all can look at the picture and see what I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing all that up. So I wasn't looking at myself anyway. There I was looking sharp, man. There the, the church was decorated. It was ready. I mean, the, 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 the ceremony was beautiful. But the bride, if she had come down the aisle looking like some broke down something, I don't know. I'm not saying I'd broke it off. But I'd had a lot of question marks. Like, is this the way she's going to be the rest of the time? Right? Is this how she's going to go out in public? Now, here's why I'm saying all that. Now, she didn't, y'all. I'm telling you, I thought Shazam when I met her that Tuesday night in, in, in July of 2008. But, I mean, I really thought Shazam when she walked down the aisle. Buddy, but, I mean, I was ready for Jerry to hand her over to me, her daddy to hand her over to me at that point. Matter of fact, I was like, Uncle Russ, if you want to skip all the preliminaries, just get to the part where you announce us husband and wife, y'all can eat all the food and let's go. That's what I mean, that's where I was at, but she looked good. And here's what I'm saying, all this to say this. We are the bride of Christ. One day, there's going to be a marriage. You think the Lord Jesus Christ, our groomsman, wants a broke down, tater sack wearing, mama bun, stanky, nasty bride coming down the aisle that day? I don't know if he does. I don't think he does. But I know this, he don't deserve it. You know what he deserves? He deserves a pure bride. He, he deserves an holy bride. He deserves a clean bride. And, and I, know, I know this, we're not perfect. None of us are. No church is perfect. Matter of fact, I drove by one one time in down Atlanta. Y'all ever been down there? If you ever went to the old uh, Turner Field, I say old Turner Field, I know some, and some of us think old Fulton County Stadium, but I, I put into a ball game there too. But when the Braves played at Turner Field, you come down there on McDaniel and Spring Street, and right on one of them corners there was the perfect church. Anybody ever been down there and remember that? The perfect church. I just laugh about that. I always would. I go down that Braves game, I think, ain't no way that's the perfect church. But you know what? There ain't no perfect church. There's not a perfect church. But watch this. We ought to try to be a pure church. We all try to be a clean church. We all try to be a holy church. And what? how does that happen? That happens with the membership of the church. And here, here's tonight what, what I want to deal with tonight. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to even overview. I'm just going to tell you what we've already dealt with. Just tell you and then I'm going to get to the message. But here's what I want. Why, why this is so important. The world is judging doctrine by you and I. Most of the world is not grabbing a copy of the King James Bible and reading it from cover to cover to find out what we believe. Most of the church world is not uh, looking up at the church covenant, finding out what the church covenant is and trying to see what we believe. They're not looking for the articles of faith on our website to find out what we believe. The most of the world, are, they're, not, they're, they're not reading a book to find out what we believe. They are reading us. They're reading you and I. And they are judging our doctrine by the conduct that that doctrine produces. And so, I believe this is according to the word of God, if, if we live, if we Christians show a good example to this world, then I believe that the world will be drawn to the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the truths from this pulpit that are preached week in and week out should produce fruit in the pew. 
I just believe the Bible ought to produce something. Listen, God is concerned with your life. He's concerned with how you live your life. And here in chapter number 2 of Titus, there is an urging for you to live a good life. There's an urging uh, for you to be an exhibition of a good example in this world. There is a pleading for you to practice good, practice in your life, in every area of it. And so, I believe we ought to take these things to heart. I think tonight we ought to show forth the fruit of the Lord for the Lord. Why? Why should we do this? I read these things to you. Verse number five, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when somebody talks bad about God or his word. I don't like it. It makes me mad. But I tell you what, I know many of people who name the name of Christ who make his word and his name look bad. While I do not like people talking bad about the Word of God, about the name of God, I, I, I think that it is, I think that sometimes it is on coming, it, it comes on, or it is, it is because of the way those that claim it act. The way those that claim Christianity behave in this world makes it look bad. So I ask you tonight before I even get into the meat of where we're at in the Bible study and the message tonight is I will say this. How are you making the Word of God look? Are you making the Word of God be easily blasphemed in this world? Are you making it easy for the lost people that you are around, whether it be in your family, whether it be at work, whether it be in the, just the, in the, in the social media platforms or, or in, in just where you work and live day by day, are you allowing it to be easy for them to blaspheme the Word of God? Number two, it says this in verse number eight, that, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. It's, here's what it says. Are you making, are you causing lost people to be convicted by your lifestyle? Not because you're harping at them. Not because you're beating them over here with the Bible. But because your life is contrary to their life. Because you live according to the word of God and that is contrary to their life. Does it make them ashamed? Or watch this, what about those that claim Christ that are around you? Does your life cause them to be ashamed I don't know about you but I like being around people Christians that are closer to God than I am it helps me and I'll tell you how it helps me it makes me ashamed I, I meet people who, who serve the Lord and do and live for the Lord whether it be ministry or whether it just be it just I hate this word this is a Catholic word but I don't know how the better word. lay people in the church I think you understand what I'm saying but, but they're not in the ministry leadership or anything like that. There's just Christians living, believers living, and they convict me and they make me ashamed that I don't do more for the Lord. Make me ashamed of maybe the way I live. Make me ashamed of the way maybe I, I, I do things in my home or maybe I do things in the church or do just things in the world. And so, so, so the, as we live our lives, we ought to, those that live contrary to the Word of God, it ought to bring shame, it ought to bring conviction to them. And then it ought to be that they cannot say any evil things about you. It is not that they won't make up something, not that nothing evil will ever be said, but it is that, they, that when it is said, it doesn't hold water. 
You know what I'm saying? It is when, when they say something evil about you that it ought not be able to be true. It ought to be that you have a testimony enough where, where it would be the word blameless is used in the Bible several times in the New Testament. It is that not, not that you'll never be accused of something. It's just that it wouldn't stick to you. Your testimonies doesn't match up with their, what they're saying. That doesn't, that doesn't match up with who, who, you, who they think you are. And then, thirdly, here's why, before we get into what, here's why again, that, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And again, I mentioned this several weeks ago, that word adorn means to beautify, means to make it look good, means to pretty it up. That's what we're to do. We are to purity, purity up the doctrines. We ought to make it look good. Our job in this world is to make God look good. And I know the left side, the liberal, whatever, would say that's wrong. They would try to twist that and say that's not right. But I'm telling you, it is right. You read the Bible. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, let your light, Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so there's a, there's a job for us to do. Our light is to shine to make God look good. And so there's the reasons. But here we are tonight. We've talked about the sound-aged man. We've talked about the sound-aged women. We've talked about the sober young woman and the strong young man. But tonight, just real quickly, and I'll be done, I want to talk to you about the sincere servant. The sincere servant. Servant. We'll look here in Titus chapter 2 and then at the end we'll look at several other verses in the New Testament about this matter. He says, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters. Now I want to go ahead and throw something out there tonight. These two words bring a lot of offense in the society we live in. These two words, servant, master, servant, and master, people don't like those type words. People don't like that kind of word. But this speaks to everybody who works for somebody else. All right? You, you don't have to like these words, but they are Bible words. They are God's words. Now we have watered down these words, and we use words like this, employer and employee. But you don't find those words in the Bible. And I believe this with all my heart. I do believe this with all my heart. That when we water down words, we are watering down God's expectation. He's placed on His people in the workforce. I believe that. Now I do not believe that you have to go in tomorrow to your job and say, Hello, Master, I am your servant. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that those that work for me ought to call me master. I don't believe that at all. And I definitely am not planning on calling those ladies servants, all right? But I do believe these words give what God expects out of the employee and even the employer. Now, in Titus 2, it doesn't talk about the master's responsibility. Other verses, it does. And so, since we're in Titus 2, I'm only going to deal with these servants. Now I'll say this too. People don't like these words because it makes us think of a, a time in our country where things were not so great. But let me just say this about it. The Bible never condemns slavery. 
The Bible does condemn racism. Yeah, man. The Bible does condemn prejudice. But the Bible never condemns slavery. Matter of fact, it actually, and I will not say that it promotes it, but at least gives, it gives regulations for it. And I want to say this. Most of you are slaves, whether you like it or not. And I'm not going to use the word slave tonight anymore after I get done with these few sentences because the Bible doesn't say slave, it says servant. But if you work for somebody else, you work for some other corporation that's not yours and you're not the boss, you're a slave. If you owe a debt to anyone for anything, sorry boss, you're a slave. Well, all I've got is my mortgage. Sorry, you're a slave to your mortgage owner, whoever owns that mortgage. You say, you own your house? You, you, I own my house. No, you really don't. Not yet. The bank still does. Some of you might, but most, some in here, you, the bank still does. So guess what? You're a slave to it. Then. Many of you have made yourself slaves to, to the Internet. You don't have to have that to survive. Many have made, your, uh, made, your, made yourself slaves to whatever else you have a bill or paid for. You've made yourself a slave to. Now, again, I'm done using the word slave. I'm going to go back to the word servant, and let's talk about what he's talking about here. He's talking about you working for someone else. Now, some of you are retired, and some of you own your own business, and, and this somewhat may not apply to you, but again, again, it, it still does because you're still at some point in your life going to be under somebody else, even those that own their own business. You're at the will of whoever is paying you for their services. But look what it says. Obey, be, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters. It says obey their masters. What does that mean? What does it mean to obey? Y'all ready? It means to render willing submission. Obey. It's amazing here that the Spirit of God tells the preacher, Titus, preach, exhort those servants to obey their master. Now, to me, to me, that just makes sense. I don't know why I would have to preach on it, but guess what? The Bible says you better preach on it. It makes sense to me if I work for someone, that I'm supposed to obey them. It makes sense to me that if I'm not the boss, then I'm supposed to do what the boss says. And it might be because of my raising. It might be because what, who lives on the inside. I don't know. You pick your poison. But either my mama's raising my life or the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside. One of them makes that make sense to me. But the preacher man, Titus is told, preach to them servants. They're to obey their masters. Listen, you're to render willing submission. I was in college. I worked in high school. I worked for a local grocery store in our town. And then, and, and then in college, I worked for a local hardware store in my town. I did not own that local grocery store, nor did I own that hardware store. In the hardware store, I worked my way up, and I did a lot of things. I did many different things, and I did not know 
that if I didn't want to be asked to do something, I, I thought you were supposed to say, yeah, I'll try it, I'll try it. Somebody later said, if you just say, I don't know how to do it, he might not ask you to do it. I, I didn't know that. I just thought, man, I'll just go find out what I can do, learn what I can do. But here's the thing. I did a lot in that store. I, I would work. I'd come in earlier sometimes than the owner. Sometimes I would leave later than the owner. I, I mean, I, listen, I did a lot of work there, but watch this. It was not my store. I had a lot of opinions as a college-age student, you know, because I knew everything because I was in college. <laughs> but I, I, knew, I had a lot of opinions about it. I had a lot of ways that I thought might work better, but watch this. Well, Mrs. Kenny... I called him Scott. When Scott, because I've known him my whole life, when Scott told me to do something, guess what it did? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It might not have made sense. He had, he had a manager under him, and the manager under him would have a white, I mean, a yellow little little sticky, uh, not, not sticky, but it was a legal pad, those half pages. And every day when I walked in, Jonathan had all those things listed out that I was supposed to do. And what he would do is I came in that day, whatever time I came in, me and John would walk to the store and he'd say, this is what I need you to do, this is what I need you to do. And he would explain to me what he wanted me to do. And he would hand me that paper and that meant that I was supposed to be able to get that stuff done. And there were some days he would say, I need this done today. And some of them he'd say, if you don't get this done today, not a big deal, you're going to have to do it tomorrow, but not a big deal today. And you know what, you know what I was supposed to do? Take that piece of paper and say, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> I don't care what he says. Ain't what I was supposed to do. I took that piece of paper and guess what I did? I started at the top. And I started working through that. And sometimes I would sit to myself and I'd say, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? This don't make no sense. This thing's going to get messed up again tomorrow. This to, I, I, he's going to have me do it totally different tomorrow. Or I'd think sometimes, hey, you know what? I, I, but you know what? You know what? You know what? I might have thought it in my head. But I wasn't the boss. I wasn't the owner and I wasn't the manager. And so I was to obey my master. And here the preacher is told to exhort them. So here I am, the preacher, exhorting you to work for someone else. Obey your master. If you're in the landscaping business and you go up to that, that uh, uh, job and you have taken the job and, and the, the landowner says dig a hole right here and then you dig that hole there and the next day they come in and say, you know what I thought about it? I don't want that hole there. Put, the, put all the dirt back in that hole and dig the hole over here. Obey your master or quit the job and don't get paid for it, right? Obey, exhort them. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. Then look what it says. Look what it says. Uh, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Please their masters. Now what does that mean? That means give satisfactory service in every way. Give satisfactory service. Please them. Do what they want done and do it willingly. Watch this. With a joyful heart. I'm going to say this. We're going to look in some scripture in just a minute to prove my point here. But do it as pleasing the Lord. Please them. Now, when, when we say obey and please, the first thing, the, the anarchist, the rebel, 
the one who wants to live life on the edge wants to say, here's the first question, well, what if they ask me to do something against the Bible? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm glad that was in your heart because I have an answer for that. Y'all ready for this? You, you have a choice to make. I believe personally what you should do, you should go to them and respectfully say, sir, ma'am, whoever it is, I believe the task that you are asking me to do would violate my faith in the Word of God because according to, and give the chapter and verse, this would violate these verses and I believe it might hurt my testimony with my fellow employees. I would ask you to please have someone else do this task. You know what I believe? I just believe this with all my heart. I almost believe it so much I'd say I dare you to try it and if it don't work, I'm liable I can't give you no money because I'm broke, but I, I do some. I bake you a cake or something. My, my, my wife will. I believe that most employers would do that. Now, watch this. If you have been a rebel rouser at work, he's heard your mouth. You've had a bad attitude. You have lived contrary to the Word of God. The response might be, I didn't even know you was a Christian. I didn't know you believed in the Bible. It might be. But I say this if you've got a good testimony, now watch this, you might just have a lost employer that is lost, wicked, and they may say, I don't care what your Bible says, I don't care what your God says, you either do it or find another job. I believe this, if you go find another job, God will bless you. And God will honor you for it. Now that don't mean you go rub, you don't go run them down on Facebook. That don't mean you make a bad review on Google about them or whatever else you might think. Of. That don't mean you squeal tires out of the parking lot. Hey man, that don't mean sling mud. I believe you walk out because of the conviction of the word of God. I believe God will honor that. He's done it for me. I don't have time to tell you all the stories I got in my mind about all this stuff because then we'd be here all night. But, but God's done it for me. And so obey them. Please their master. Please them. Do what needs to be done. Do it willingly. Do it with a right heart. Okay, now, then it says this. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters. Please them well in all things. Watch this. Not answering again. I just wonder if you, you probably know what that is. Not answering again. Y'all ready for the word that we use for that? Don't talk back. Oh my goodness. It's amazing to me. I watch parents get angry at their children for doing that to them. But I've seen those same parents do the very thing to their boss or to the police officer or to the pastor or to whoever else. Not answering. Here's what that means. Not talking back. Not answering again. Here's, here's what that means. It means let the master run his business or ruin his business, but let the master do it. It means when he asks you to do a task, it's on him. He's the owner. Or he's the manager. Or he's the supervisor. I don't know all the terms. I can't figure out all the terms. That all everybody's got, got supervisor and lead man and this man and that man. And I don't know all that term. But can I just use the Bible word? The master is the master. Let them run it, let them ruin it. Don't talk back. Teaching my children, teaching teenagers 
The answer is yes, sir. 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 But, 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 the answer is yes, sir. <laughs> I'm not, I don't ask your opinion. I, I don't, I mean, I really, until you obey me, I don't care. Until you do what I've asked you, sit down, shut your mouth, then, then, once you obey, we might can talk about it. The answer is yes, sir. Teaching my children that. Some, some parents try to give the, and I'm, I'm parenting right now, we're, on, we're bosses, but I think the reason we're such in a bad place in the work field is because we're in a bad place in the home. But we allow back-talking so much. Just exactly, I can't give all these stories because I'm going to be here all night. But my daughter today, what she said to me wasn't all that bad, but she's back-talking. And I said, the answer is yes, sir. Get up, close your mouth, walk this way. Don't need to hear all the explanation. Don't need to hear your reason why you don't want to obey me. Just obey me. One day it might be life or death. When I'm hollering, get out of the road, there's a transfer truck coming. I don't need to hear the explanation why you're in the road. Just get out of the road. Not answering again. And again, let me just say this, it just seems like that makes sense to Christians. But the preacher's told to preach it. Well, here I is, preaching. And I'll say this, if Titus was supposed to preach it 2,000 years ago, I guarantee, well, Alan needs to preach it here we, in 2023. Please, there must respect them. Watch this, here it is. Not only does not answering back mean to not talk back, watch this, it means not to cause contention or strife amongst fellow employees. You talking to those fellow employees about how you hate your boss, how you hate the way they run this, and how you hate the way they run that, are those employees really able to make a difference? Are you talking to someone who actually could change the situation? Most of the time, no. You're not talking to the person over them. You're not talking to that person. You're talking to the people sometimes on the same level as you are or lower, and they can't do nothing about it. And all they're going to do, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, 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 you're right. I can meet them. All of a sudden, you've got this coup against the boss. Now you, the Christian, has, has you, the Christian, has has made an uprising down at the workplace because we've caused contention and strife down there because we ran our mouth, and if we worked as hard as we ran our mouth, things probably get done. Now listen, you say, well, I don't know why you preaching like this. Well, praise the Lord, Hallelujah, glory to God, you don't. And there may not be nobody guilty of it today, but you know what? Next week, you might have a boss that you want to strangle them, and you're going to say, man, I'm glad preacher preached that verse. <laughs> might not be next week, it might be next year. Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way, and you'll say, man, I'm glad the Bible fixes this stuff, because, man, if it wasn't for that Bible, I'd do what I want to right here. <laughs> Don't talk, not, not answering back. Now, watch this, respect, so respect your master. Then watch this. Don't rob your master. Look at this word in verse number 10. Not purloining. 
Y'all ever use that word in a sentence? I've not. I've never used that word in a sentence, so I had to look it up. What does it mean? It means this. It means keeping back. Remember when, uh, um, oh my goodness, Ananias and Sapphire. Just forgot their names. I remember them. Remember they sold that piece of land. They came back and they, they said, here's all the money, all the money that we give or that we got for that land. Here's it all. We're not keeping anything back. Y'all remember what happened though? They really kept some back. They lied. Peter said they lied to the Holy Ghost. Pretty big stuff. Keeping back part. They, that we've kept nothing back, but they really did keep back that word. Keep back that purloining. That's what it means, keep back. Here, here's what the word has the idea of. It's to, it's to put aside for one's self. To put aside for oneself. Here's what this is saying. Don't rob your master. Don't rob your master. I, I, I was speaking, Brother Coker and I was, as we was driving to the meeting today, we had a bus full of boys in the back and as they were doing what teenage boys do in the back of a bus and, and me and Brother Coker were conversating. And I was talking, he said, what are you preaching on tonight? And I said, I'm going to be dealing with servants and masters. I said, pray for me. I said, but you know, he, he said, he said, in Titus 2, where it talks about not purloining. I said, yeah. He said, you know, robbing. And, I, and we had the conversation about, you know, I think that might be one of the most, the, the most, the, one of the things that, that Christians are employers, employees, employees are most guilty of in the workplace, of stealing from their bosses, stealing time from their boss. I believe this, stealing talent from their boss. I remember when that man came to me one time and he says, you know, if you'd stop saying you know how to do something, we wouldn't ask you to do it. And I looked at him, I didn't know this verse was in the Bible. I should have, but I didn't. And I said, but wouldn't that kind of be lying and stealing? Because if I know how to do it, or at least kind of have an idea how to do it, and it would help this business, wouldn't that be good for the business? Wouldn't it be good for the store? Stealing time, stealing talent. I'll tell you what it is. Another thing is just stealing stuff. Most, most employers are not going to go raid the cash drawer or go, go, go raid the safe. They're not going to steal the, the checking account information and draw money out of the bank. But, buddy, they'll steal the stuff. Brian's holding up them pens. Uh-huh. Pens, paper. Hey, I've known them to steal toilet paper, paper towels, K-cups. Come on now. Them ain't yours. I work here. Yeah, but you didn't buy that. I bought it with my blood, sweat. No, 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 no. You bought your paycheck with your blood, sweat, and tears. Now listen, if your boss says, now, and you very careful. I guess they could be some crooked bosses trying to set you up. They're just trying to appease themselves. They're trying to make it look good that they steal. So they want to say, hey, it's okay. We can take this stuff. <laughs> you better be careful now. Mind you, supervisors and managers are not the owners. Okay? But stealing things, not purloining. We don't look at it as stealing. We, we got this kind of mindset like we're in the family business or something. You know? Paper clips. Are you kidding me, preacher? Are you really going to be that particular? I, I, I didn't write the book. 
unless you've been told you could use that for your personal use, then I think one thing that's stolen is time. I see it everywhere I go now. I don't think anybody's paid to be on social media. I don't know, you know. I, I know I don't. I don't. I, and technically, I don't pay. But I, as I as I'm running the school, and and and, and I, I don't. I don't. I don't pay Miss Martha to be on Facebook, you know, teaching second graders. I don't pay our teachers to be on social media. I don't. I, my secretary, I only pay her to be on social media when she's posting about the school. I'm sure your boss don't pay you to be on social media either. So if you get on it on company time, you're stealing. I see the waitress and the waiter and the cook and the, I see the, the store clerk and I, I see them doing any other thing. I, I just, I'm, I'd be shocked if that was part of their job description. It might be. Maybe it is. Maybe. Hey, I'm, we're in different days. Hey, it might be. I don't know. Probably not, though. I'm, I'm moving on. Okay. Don't rob your master. Then, then here's last thing here is be loyal to your master. Look what he says. But showing all good fidelity. Here's what that means. Be trustworthy. Be trustworthy. Be faithful. Be truthful. Be someone that the boss could trust to handle everything. It might not mean you're the most skilled worker. It may not mean that you have the most knowledge. You may not be the smartest worker, but you are so trustworthy. You ever, you ever found that? You ever wondered why? Why'd they leave them in charge? They were not the most skillful. They were not the most smart, but they were trustworthy. I remember that. I remember we had a situation at one of the places I worked at that, that, that when one of the managers left and went somewhere else, they put somebody else in management. And I, I scratched my head and I thought, and I knew I wasn't supposed to be the guy. I was in full-time school. I couldn't work the hours that the manager was going to. So I knew it wasn't supposed to be me, but I thought, man, why didn't he go out and look for somebody? I thought, what? And, but you know what I found out? It's because that man was faithful. And he was trustworthy. He could trust that man to run that store. He could trust that man to manage what needed to be managed. So what I'm saying is, as a Christian, we ought to be loyal to the work. We ought to be a working model of the grace of God and a living example of His saving power at the workplace. Now, real quickly, real quickly, I'm going to be done. Titus 2 is where we're at, but go to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. Just flip right back. i got a few verses I want to read to you, and then I'm, I'm closing. I'm done. Ephesians chapter 6, if you're in Titus, you go back a few pages. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number uh, 5 says this. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, that's that respect, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Look at there. Watch this. This is good. Not with eye servant. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Meaning, this, this, here's what this means. Have some integrity. You do right when nobody's looking. You do right when nobody's got a camera on you. One time I was asked, you think we all put cameras in there to see if they're doing right? I said, well, we, ought not, we shouldn't have to. Those be Christians working here. Those be Christians. 
not with high services, men please, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God, watch this, from the heart, this is a heart issue, this is a heart issue, with good will doing service as to the Lord, not to men, and here it is, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Here it is in Ephesians, the same idea. The Holy Spirit is saying, do this as unto the Lord. Because your boss may not reward you for it, but God will. Look in your Ephesians, flip to Colossians. So Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just a few pages over. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. We saw that again. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. Watch this. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect to persons. You ain't going to get by with this. You do right, God's going to reward you. You do wrong, God's going to get you. Okay? This is in context with the service. Now, flip over now to 1 Timothy chapter 6. So you go Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy chapter number 6. I'm almost done. Chapter number 6, 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Let as many, verse, verse number 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Why, 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 why? Everybody wants to ask why. Well, here's your why. That the that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Verse 2, And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things, here it is, teach and exhort. Guess what? Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, told Titus to preach it. Here he tells Timothy to preach it. Last verse, and I'm done. Last verse is, and I'm done, Second Peter. So you go to you're in First Timothy, go to Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, and the book of James, and then Peter. All right? So first, second Peter, second Peter. Second Peter, chapter number two. We'll finish here. Verse number eighteen. Chapter number two. Second Peter two eighteen. That ain't right. 1 Peter 2.18. There it is, yeah. I wrote down second. That's supposed to be first. I better fix that right now. All right. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants. 1 Peter 2.18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. Here it is. What if I don't have a saved? What if I don't have a nice boss? But also to the forward, froward. So that means even if you've got a mean boss. And then it says this, for, verse 19, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Here, here's what he's saying. God will reward you even if you don't have a good boss. 
If you'll serve right, if you'll serve right, if you'll, if you'll obey, if you'll please, if you'll respect, if you don't rob, if you'll be loyal, even if they're not right, even if they're not gentle, even if they're not good, God will thank you. And I don't know about you, but I, I like thank yous, but man, if God tells me thank you, that's a big deal. This is thankworthy is what it says. This is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endureth grief, suffering lawfully. When you realize I'm not serving this man just because he's my boss as much as I'm serving this man because God told me to do it. God says, thank you. Your boss may never say thank you. They may never give you a bonus. They're never going to send you a Christmas card in the mail. They're never going to do that. But God says, I'd like, to hear, I'd like to hear God say thank you. And here tonight you say, man, this ain't got nothing to do with me. That's all right. I'm supposed to preach the word. Preach the word instant in season and out of season. But some of us this has to do with. All of us find ourselves in a place where we are the servant and others are the master. God help us to not let the word of God be blasphemed. God help us to make God look good. God help us to cause those that live contrary to this word to be ashamed. And that they might not have that they may not have any evil to say. I heard back in the days of Tennessee Temple and Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the heydays that the employers around Chattanooga, Tennessee would call Dr. Robinson or the staff there at Tennessee Temple and they'd say, I want, you got any young men, you got any young ladies needing a job? Here's why. Because the testimony of the kids coming out of that college or coming through that college or coming out of that church was a testimony that employers wanted to hire. They wanted to hire those kids because they knew this, that they were, they were hearing preaching like this in the classes and in the pulpit and things like that, and they were living it out. They, they were that kind of servant that we just talked about. And that's, now, the heydays of, of Tennessee Temple was, was in the 70s and the 80s. Things started shifting there. Of course, there's not even a school anymore. The church has totally, totally, totally gone a different way. But, but nonetheless, in those days, now, now though, now, now, sometimes, sometimes uh, employers are very skittish about, about hiring somebody when they claim to be a Christian. I remember, I remember uh, talking to my boss, Scott Kinney. I loved the Kinney family. I still do love this, the Kinney family down in Rockmart. Um, owns Morgan Hardware there and, uh, and treated me very well as an employee. I remember me and Scott talking about the ministry one day and, uh, and Scott said, can I show you something? Can you walk to the office with me and let me show you something? And he, 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 he walked me back to the office and he pulled up the computer and he pulled up the uh, bad debt files on the computer. You know, the, the accounts that were started that never were paid. You know, we still had a, we still had an honor system there and those, I don't know what they do now, but you didn't have to run a credit check on people. You just take a person's name, address and and you'd make them a charge account, you know. And uh, we had it on a computer, though. Anyway, he said, you see all them? I 
Christians. He said, they're supposed to be preachers. And so he looked at me. He said, I would not cross the street to hear them preach. He's, he went to the first Baptist church there in Rockmart, and, and the Morgan Hardware is right here, and just a block, a block and a half away was his church. And he said this. He said, if, my, if, he said, if our church wants to have any of these guys come preach, he said, I wouldn't show up for service. He said, more than likely, he said, and I'm not this kind. He's a very, he's a gentleman's, gentleman's gentleman. But he said this. He said, be honest with you, Will, I'd, I'd be almost tempted to walk out. If I didn't know they was coming and they got up, I'd probably walk out. He, that's not even his character. And this is what he said to him. And he looked at me. This is what he said. He said, don't be that kind. He said, don't be that kind of preacher. And this is what he said. Don't be that kind of Christian. I thank God would say to us, as my boss said to me as a college-age student, don't be that kind. Don't be that kind of employee. Be somebody that makes Jesus look good. Be somebody that makes God's Word look good. Why? Because you let your light so shine before men, they see your good works. The Bible says, Jesus said, they'll glorify God heaven I don't know about you but I want to see everybody I work with go to heaven but I'd hate to get the judgment seat of Christ I'd hate to be there at the, in attendance at the white throne judgment being able to see them being judged and, and them to look over at me and say you, you you're supposed to be a Christian but I read your doctrine by your life and your, your life said you didn't believe what you claimed you believed. And I followed your life. I followed you. God help us tonight. I don't know if God spoke to your heart about anything tonight, but I do want to give an opportunity to pray. Give you an opportunity to pray. These young people in here, they're not working a job for anybody yet. Some of you do. I'll take these things and put it into practice. Some of them may work for people that are not saved. I don't know. I don't know everybody's chain of command at work. You might, your life might could win them over to Christ.